Welcome to my another episode of my podcast. And today I have for you very difficult word. Neurodivergent communication specialist Sam Warner. Welcome uh, for my channel, Sam. Thank you very much for coming. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What is it you do in your professional life and maybe a little bit more, more about your personal life as well? So we can get to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, firstly, thank you for having me on your podcast, Vincent. It's lovely to be here. In terms of what I do for a living, I work with organizations who would like to attract and keep more neurodivergent talented staff. And what I mean by that, if that's an unfamiliar word, is mm -hmm. people who might be autistic or dyslexic, or maybe they have ADHD or a mixture of all, and all mm -hmm. the other lovely neuro differences that are out there. Unfortunately, a few businesses are still left who are not quite clued up and they're missing out. They will lose talent if they don't look after it and recruitment is expensive. So that's where I come from. I help organisations to do all of that stuff and thrive. Mm -hmm. In terms of my personal life, uh, I'm married with two cats and I live in Shropshire, which is a really stunningly beautiful county. I'm very lucky to live here in the greenery. Big fan of walking, especially up gentle hills, not so much the steep ones. There's not much of these steep ones in England, right? <laughs> yeah, they're mainly in Wales and Scotland, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> but Wales is like a hop, skip and a jump away from us. So we frequently go into Wales. We love Wales. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I do lots of crafty stuff. So I make clothes and I'm a haberdasher. So... Um, say you wanted to uh, recover your sofa. I can do that. I can make curtains. Oh, nice. I can do all of that sort of stuff. And I only do it for fun. I, I don't. I used to do it uh, as a, a side hustle, if you like. Mm -hmm. But uh, no more, no. Mm -hmm. I, I used to make bridesmaid dresses, but oh. I soon discovered that there was a lot of confrontation okay. <laughs> in um, some brides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice yeah actually my wife um <clears throat> when we got married she got a friend she was studying a school of uh, design and she made her dress and uh you know beautiful dress and a handmade it, it's not something like you would go and buy in a shop and it's like oh all glossy and beautiful and super expensive it was simple but it was very nice and uh, we really appreciated that it was a beautiful gift for the wedding and uh and i think she looked amazing in it yeah so yeah, so, but some women, they just want to be very specific, yeah. Yeah, and make lots of last-minute changes, which are really oh. difficult to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they don't want to give you any more money for those changes. And you're yeah. Like, so when you mentioned that you were doing it as a side hustle, um, and what, what is the reason uh, you don't do it anymore? And uh, we'll go to the business what you are doing right now, but what was the reason you, you just, you know, didn't continue with that and you are just doing it for fun? Sure. So when I left corporate land in 2015, uh, I had that real entrepreneur blood in me where mm. I think one of the reasons why I didn't enjoy corporate as much as perhaps other people might is because I get bored so quickly. Yeah, I'm autistic. I have ADHD and it's no surprise that I'm attracted by something new. And it might take my focus off what I'm doing. But if what I'm doing is boring, <laughs> the focus is gone. <laughs> so I wanted to do 
work that wasn't boring, that was stimulating and interesting and exciting and all of those things. So that's when I I started my business and I just I was given great advice. Try mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. If you don't try, you'll never know. It, yeah. it, you know. It's like if you never ask someone a question, the answer is always no. Mm-hmm because you'll never find out the truth. And I just, yeah, I was really grateful for that advice. So I I, did, I, I was knitting scarves, I was making dresses, and all that sort of stuff. And then I realised that these craft, wonderful crafty things took up a very long time, mm. only people don't want to pay much money for these objects. And mm. I had to think of my endeavours as how do I pay my bills? Because now it's my main job, right? Mm-hmm. And I was also helping people with presentation training skills. I was sharing the soft skills that I had learned in the office, mm-hmm. h- how to behave in a meeting, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And realized that actually that lots of people would really love an opportunity to have that kind of training. And that's mm-hmm. it, it grew sideways into the training and presenting. Mm-hmm. And so I was happy to let the others just kind of go. And then I, I could do what I want. And there's no pressure because no one's paying me. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> and I was less stressed. Mm-hmm. And, and and then I kind of resisted it for a while. But I, I'm, a, I'm a late diagnosed neurodivergent woman. So I'm 51 now. And I mm-hmm. was only diagnosed two years ago. But really, I've known for a good 15 years that I was differently brained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were lots of signs and I had to kind of wait for the world to catch up. That sounds really grand, but there was a lot of resistance mm-hmm. at the beginning when I was talking about autism and, and ADHD at work and reasonable adjustments, accommodations, adaptations, mm-hmm. a neurodiversity policy, those kind of things. They They had already, these businesses that I talked to, they already had... Um, a policy on ethnicity, a policy mm-hmm. on disability, um, maybe a policy on gender and, and how they you know approach all that. But they didn't have anything that covered neurodiversity. And actually, some of them thought that the mental health policy they had, oh, that's fine, that covers it. Or the disabled policy, oh, that covers it. I'm like, yeah. actually, no, it's not going to be fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. And I stopped resisting because so many people kept asking for my help. And I, it, and it's grown. And now if you went on LinkedIn, for example, mm-hmm. and you put neurodiversity in there, instead of having like 10 people <laughs> listed, mm-hmm. and I was one of them all those years ago, there's thousands of people. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic because the more people that can feel accepted, not just tolerated at work, mm-hmm. You know, they feel like they can thrive. They might be able to actually get promoted at work because they'll mm-hmm. have the right kind of support. People's minds will be changed. There's a film called Rain Man that some people might have seen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's showing somebody who is autistic, but he's at the very far end of the autistic spectrum in terms of he needs constant care. He'll never have a job. Um some people who are like him might also be nonverbal. Mm-hmm. They're unlikely to have a romantic relationship. So if if the only exposure you've had to someone who's autistic is that film, 
you might have an idea about people who are autistic and go, well, I, 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 how can I have someone like that come and work in my firm? Because mm -hmm. they think they won't cope. Yeah. When actually they might be like me. <laughs> and I can, I can cope because I've learned mm -hmm. how to integrate myself into society, play mm -hmm. the right game. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I want the same things that other people have, a home, a car, a husband, and all those sort of mm -hmm. things, there's certain societal rules I must follow if I want those things. Mm -hmm. So I approached it like a, like a, I don't know, like a pupil. A student, it's like, yeah. I need to learn these rules of engagement so mm -hmm. that I can play this game. Yeah, and that's what I'm. What I pass on to others so that they can do mm -hmm. that too. To be honest, I don't know that many people, and uh, I've never worked in really any corporate uh, company. I, only companies I used to work with was in hospitality. Not many people there, 10, 12, you know, chefs, waiting, waiting staff. And that's it. <clears throat> I don't have that much experience with uh, any sort of people. But when, when I met few of those people who are autistic or they have some different <coughs> things going on, I know that, you know, they might be in one way somewhere else. And some people, they'll be like, what, what is it you are doing? Or, you know, this is not appropriate or whatever. But on the other hand, like, they are very, usually they are very good in something. And if you give them those tasks to focus on those things, they can be much better than everybody else. But the thing is, I think they need to discover what is it they are good at. And, uh, and if the employer probably can help them to discover that, and unless they already know it, they can be like what you are doing. They can be very great benefit to that team, right? A hundred percent. And some people might call it someone's superpower when they're really yeah. good at something. Yeah. But would you call a concert pianist someone with a superpower? Mm. Not really. They're someone who's practiced and practiced and practiced and mm. practiced and they've got really good at what they do. And that's kind of what happens with everybody. You know, we might learn a language or I don't know, even when we went to go to university and learn a subject, we become really good at it because we spent three years studying it. But it doesn't mm. mean it's our superpower. Um, yeah. And I think when people are sort of put into that superpower zone, there's a really big expectation of performance, mm -hmm. which I think is hard to meet. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if we acknowledge that we all have talents in different places, I know people who can't make dresses, for example, you know, mm -hmm. sewing isn't their jam. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. And they do things I can't do. And that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we have talents in different places. And what I love is that businesses are definitely more open i'm speaking in general terms here to neurodivergent individuals coming onto the staff and also allowing current staff to disclose because they are realizing that um they have got something we want and it might be that they're just amazing problem solvers mm. or they're super loyal and you know you you really can't really buy loyalty yeah or it might be that uh, they're not really big into small talk. So they just kind of put their head down and get their work done. Mm -hmm. And they are the most productive person in the office because mm -hmm. they're not sitting around chit-chatting with the others. They're just getting on with it. Yeah. And, you know, when five o'clock comes, they don't go, time to go home. They go, I'm just going to finish what I'm doing and then I'll go. 
because the work is more important. I'm not saying that people who chat are not working. Of course, I'm not saying that. <laughs> All who you chat, you know, you shouldn't be paid as much. Absolutely. No, no, no. So I'm not making that statement <laughs> before anyone goes, hang on a minute. No, not at all. It's it's looking for the things that are real pluses. So a lot of people say to me, so if I'm an inter in an interview, mm. what would I say? How would I say I'm going to need some support? And what I suggest is that people would point out the things that they're good at mm. and then say, in order to do those brilliant things, I will need to ask for a little bit of support and it mm. looks like this. Yeah. For example, I might talk about how I've got ideas for days. If you're telling me a problem, you'll be on your second sentence and I've got 10 ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to like hold it in before you finish speaking because I've, I've they come out like mm -hmm. a river. Mm -hmm. And and that's really good for innovation. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's really good for change and saving money and making money because people are looking at ways to improve something or, or invent something. Mm. Uh, I'm really good at problem solving, bringing people together, unpicking the problem, looking at it in a different way, asking mm -hmm. people things like, so if this was the first time we were attacking this problem, how would we do that? Mm -hmm. And getting them into a place where they don't have to remember the old ways that don't mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And I'm really good at organising people generally. So mm -hmm. I, I was a personal assistant for ages because I'm really great at putting together that calendar, making mm -hmm. sure people are where they should be. That's why I've put on speaking events because it's it absolutely speaks to my strengths. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm really mm -hmm. good at. I've done jobs that I'm really good at that I don't enjoy. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't tell people about that. You know, mm -hmm. I'd say, oh yes, I love doing risk management. It's great. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. I'm good at it, <laughs> but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> but what, if I'm bigging up the things that I know that I'm good at and we, we're allowed to say what we're good at, again, mm -hmm. in school, we're not encouraged to speak up about what we're good at. We're, we're encouraged to be very modest and yeah. not talk about what we're good at, concentrate on what we're failing on and do something about that, you know. So mm. maybe there's a change there. Uh, yeah. And then I might say, you know what, the, the kind of support I need is I might need a, a, a later start time because I have insomnia as part of my goodies that mm -hmm. uh, the universe gave me. So if, if you do want me to come in at half past eight, I will be staring into my coffee cup for the first hour. Mm -hmm. So why don't I just come in at half nine <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'll just start work and I'll work later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'll get more out of me because I'm better later in the day. Mm -hmm. Or it might be uh, because I'm overstimulated by an open plan office. Mm -hmm. I might say, do you know what? I wonder if there's another meeting room you've got here that I could perhaps go to occasionally when I need to concentrate on my work mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's phones ringing and people chatting and it's overwhelming me and I, I just can't concentrate. It's not a big ask. It shouldn't cost anybody any money to do a bit of shuffling around, maybe yeah. lose one meeting room and make that a quiet room. But it really pays off in terms of productivity. Yeah, I cannot even imagine how... How people work in those spaces. I've never worked like in a space like that, but I see it in the movies, like the desks next to the desk, and people just phoning each other, phoning to different people. I'm like, you can hear everyone. How how they do it? I'm like, that's it's really overwhelming. Uh, it's really difficult to block everything out. And then in terms of sensory issues, if there's 
a light in the room like quite often they have these old-fashioned strip mm-hmm. lights mm-hmm. and they, they'd start failing and they'd like start flashing like intermittently so i'm trying to work there's lots of noise going on i can't control the temperature in the room either so i could be hot or cold one or the other mm-hmm. if there's lots of guys in the room they tend to like it a little bit cooler mm-hmm. uh, so I, I might be sitting there with layers and layers of clothes on because i'm freezing mm-hmm. um or I might be too hot, in which case I can't think straight. Plus the lights binking, bink, 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 bink. Then someone asks me a question. I've just had an email that says it's urgent. The phone's ringing. Someone's talking about their golf game. A door's slamming. Someone's ding, ding, ding when they stir the teacup, you know, with the mm-hmm. spoon. Um, and then someone brings their baby in because they just had a baby and everyone's cooing over the baby. And I'm like, I think I'm going to lose my head. <laughs> <laughs> Just... You are like this. There is this TV show, or there is even movie. I think his 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 name is like he doesn't see. It's like Daredevil or something like. That. But he hears very very well, so he hears everything, and and he needs to he needed to learn how to work with that because otherwise you'd go just go crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. It would be nice to be able to turn down some of mm. my senses sometimes. That would be handy. Mm-hmm. But we all learn our own coping mechanisms. So one of mine is just to remove myself from that overwhelm and that might just be a walk to the coffee machine or Mm -hmm. off to the loo or something or i might if there's a meeting room free i might book it out but it's just for me i'm not having a meeting with anyone else it's just me and my laptop for a bit of quiet time Mm -hmm. so there are things that people can do again that cost nothing to help themselves cope with those environments but i want the businesses to be aware so that they can help people to escape to a quiet place Mm -hmm. And, and endorse it and go, yeah, absolutely, that's that's fine. That's no problem at all. In fact, we'll call that the quiet room. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been on a train where there's a quiet carriage? I've not been in the quiet carriage, but I think I've been on a train that it was, there was a quiet carriage, yeah. But I've not been there, yeah. And the idea is there's no phone calls, no conversations, no beep, 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 beep from playing games or anything like that. It's yeah. just the train. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and for a lot of people, that's quite meditative. Um, it's that chance to unwind. Maybe they're commuting, mm. that sort of thing. So why wouldn't we provide that in our offices as well? That's Absolutely. why so many people love working from home mm. because they yeah. can control their environment. Here we are, hey, aren't we? We're right yeah. here. I've got a comfy ch- well, not so comfy chair with things on it to make it comfortable. Um, yeah, I'm very interesting because. Um, when you are talking about this, you know, being in the present, so like beeping all the time, uh, I obviously work with a lot of different clients and I see like it's very difficult for people to be able to turn off for a, for a while. I've just been on the Czech Republic for holidays and uh, just, my phone even wasn't working there. So only place where I could see something was on the Wi-Fi. But I went to my cottage. I've been there for three days with my kids. We were skiing. And uh, the phone wasn't working. My wife actually tried to call me once, but she couldn't reach me. I'm like, if that would be important, she would call my dad because he was there with me. And uh, the thing is, it was so nice to, you know, not do anything because we can and we, we can be in the present moment. 
And just on that point, I'm actually running one uh, mastermind this year in June for two days uh, with my clients who are on my uh, like a, a coaching program. And uh, and basically one of the things what we will do there, when they will arrive, I'll just take their phones so they cannot have phones for two full days on that mastermind. They don't know that yet, but it's going to be very interesting. Because... <laughs> I mean, my phone's always on silent, yeah. um, so it's not intrusive. Yeah. But when I can have a break, I can just check it for a moment yeah. and put it back down again. So maybe, because that would give me huge anxiety if you kidnapped my phone for two days. It's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, maybe a compromise is that the phones go in like a basket whilst yeah. you're working. Exactly. You're allowed to dip in yeah. in break. But the thing is, on the mastermind, there are not going to be many breaks. So that's the thing. They'll be just doing things for two days fully sure. it'll be outside actually uh, sleeping in a tent you know it's no no office nothing like that we are in nature we are in nature they don't even know there is a river we'll need to do cold swim in the morning they don't know any of those things and only way how they can discover a few of the things if they'll listen till the, the video in here but i don't think they will and so it'll be very exciting because i really like to be in a, pre in a present moment it's because you can like even like when you go on events like you you go and you speak for companies right and you help them and the thing is if they are in the room and they are listening to you and you give them some tasks to do they have that time to think about their life about themselves right now but if you wouldn't be there and you wouldn't provide that space for them they wouldn't think about it they would just go with the life just being busy but what this is what i really like about you know speaking and being on stage because you can give people space to think right now and they can because if they are caught up at home, they never do really about the important things what you want them to think about, right? Absolutely. Now, if you do think that you have any neurodivergent people who might be coming on your mastermind, either now or in the future, they might need a little bit more detail about what's going to happen. Yeah, they might. Because some yeah. people aren't great at managing surprises. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the kind of a people who I attract, they are very similar to me. So they'll be like an action takers. I, I can have a feel when I'm signing up my clients who who, who they are, how they are. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, I think they wouldn't want to work with me as much because I'm not like that. And they wouldn't kind of, because I'm really like do it now and take action. And if people need more time to think and adapt, I wouldn't be a really good coach for them. They need someone who is more like, like you, for example, who can take that, you know, give them in more detail, probably. Yeah. 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 We all attract different people. Yeah. Absolutely. And people, <laughs> I, you know, I, I say to people, we should never be scared of uh being marmite do you know that phrase being marmite no i know who's who, she, who is my marmite but i don't know that phrase no <laughs> so um for anyone who's listening who's not sure of what marmite is it's uh, a yeast extract in a little jar and the idea is that you make some toast put a bit of butter on your toast and then you put some marmite on your toast obviously you can use it in other ways too but that's kind of probably the mm. primary way people consume it mm -hmm. and it has a very distinctive taste yeah i don't like it and it truly is the i love it or i hate it there's yeah. no one goes oh it's you know i can take it or leave it they either love it or they hate it and mm. i love that as a a, <clears throat> a way of expressing that people in our industry the speaking communication the coaching industry should never be afraid of being marmite mm. for exactly the reason you were saying 
there'll be some people who absolutely connect with me and go, yes, Sam's the person for me because we are connecting on all these levels. I love her. And there'll be other people who go, oh my goodness, Sam's completely bonkers and we're not driving at all, not a good fit. And I, you know, I say happily, do you know what? The universe has got something else in store for you. Hmm. So I wish you well. And by the way, I've got a really big network so I can connect you with a few other people if you want to explore those. Send them on with a blessing kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's really cool to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right, yeah. <clears throat> it's like when uh, someone is starting, like even when I was starting uh, two and a half years ago with the coaching, some of the thoughts you have in the head, I, I had them, I think a lot of people have them in anything. They are starting like, yeah, but will someone hire me? Because there is all these great coaches. I'm a big follower of Tony Robbins, for example. So it's like, you know, Tony Robbins has 120 coaches wo- coaching worldwide. Why people would hire me instead of them when they are trained by Tony Robbins? Why they wouldn't go on Tony Robbins events only or this kind of the person of the events? Why they would come to my events? But not everybody likes Tony Robbins. Not everybody likes uh, me. Not everybody likes, you know, different person. So we, we all, you know, attract different people. So yeah, I think it's what you are saying is very important to be yourself and not be trying to please everyone because at the, at the end of the day, it's not you and it's not going to get anywhere. 100%. And and people by people, that's a, a well-known yeah. phrase. And it, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And we should not be afraid to be ourselves because mm-hmm. we will attract people who, who jive with us. And, and that's what we want. We want to work with people we get on with and we have the same kind of language mm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not that we're trying to recruit clones as clients. Mm. Of course not. Um, some differences are really good because that's where growth happens. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that's really healthy. Um, you're, you're right about the whole Tony Robbins things. I've, I've met people who love him and I've met people who don't. And, and that's fine. Yeah. There's yeah. enough work out there for all of us. Exactly. You know, I'm not in competition with you and vice versa because we are coaches. For a start, yeah. we speak on completely different subjects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you go to those um, companies, you help them with that topic, what you mentioned uh, about, you know, I don't even know how to say this word like fully. Can you repeat that word? Ne- ne- Neurodiversity. Neurodi- neurodiversity, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm. English is my my first language, and this is. No, you're great. doing a fantastic job. <laughs> so, and uh, and after, if you deliver their speech, workshop, you help them, and after you also work with clients on one to one, and which are the clients of that company or these employees or who who are those people? Yeah, so there's a mixture. The one to one coaching that comes afterwards might be uh, people who are in teams generally in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it might be like the other day I was approached by a director of a company who wanted to do it very, very quietly. No one must find out because that company's not really there yet in terms of the education and sure. the policies and, and providing support. Mm-hmm. So whilst I'm not going to manipulate my new client, mm-hmm. I am going to ask him a few questions outside of our sessions about could I come in and help to improve the acceptance culture in that organization so actually other people who might work there might feel confident enough to disclose as everyone helps each other Mm -hmm. so once Mm -hmm. it's out in the open and it's not taboo anymore and there's no i don't know weirdness about it like the rain man thing you know people whoa whoa, you know really how is he a director and he's got adhd that's not right Mm. 
yeah, absolutely yeah. he can be a director with ADHD. Yeah, of course, yeah. Isn't it the same thing? Like people are sometimes surprised when, uh, I don't know, somebody is teaching someone, some, someone like, like us. I don't know about you. I actually, I don't know all your education, but I, I just graduated uh, like a secondary school in Czech Republic. You get this one paper, which is useless, but I've never done any university or anything like that. I don't have any PhD or whatever, whatever. And people are like, yeah, but you coach, have you, have you done any, like, you know, do you have any uh, accreditation for that? I'm like, no, I just coach people on the things which I've done and to what, what I'm actually doing, nothing else. I, I don't coach people on, you know, how to, what they should eat and about nutrition because I don't know much about it. But, but this is the thing, like uh, in the past years, now it's become a little bit, obviously people accept it, but in the past it was like you had to be engineer or doctor in order for people to listen to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Qualified by experience, Vincent. I'd I always... rather have a coach that was qualified by experience than someone yeah. had loads and loads of letters after their name and didn't know how to apply it. Yeah, it's like a lot of, not everybody, but a lot of teachers, they teach something where they learn in a school, but they never practice it. And after, the, when you ask them like, why do we learn that? I don't know, it's in the script, I have to teach you, but they don't know what is it for, Why? when we will use it, right? So when somebody asked me back in Czech Republic, do you have any title? I always tell them uh, yes, and it's it's a BT. In the Czech Republic, it, in, in English would be WT in, in English, and they were like, what is that? I'm like, without the title. <laughs> it sounds like you have a title, WT. Love it. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so you work with those people, and uh, what are your another plans or your goals for the future with that? Do you want to continue approaching more companies and helping them with, with this topic, or would you like to change it, do something else? Do you have any visions, missions, what you want to accomplish? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose my ambition is uh, I want to reach as many organizations as possible so that the reasonable adjustments, accommodations and adaptations just become a thing at all workplaces. I just mm -hmm. want it to be like, you know, when, when you go and get a new job, you get terms and conditions and you get a contract and you get an induction mm -hmm. and then you can have a conversation about what support you might need, regardless of your neurotype. Because we're all different. Because yeah. one size has never fit all. <laughs> you might just be introverted and you're not coping with the really, you know, mad stuff at work. And yeah, I'd like to normalize that. And perhaps in the future, and this really is one of those goals you think, well, I see it in my lifetime. Imagine if we tested all primary school children. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like age six, seven early but we don't just test someone because we think they might be autistic we just test everyone mm -hmm. so now there's no stigma at all because mm -hmm. everyone's going to get the test yeah and then their education is tailored to what they need all the way through their education that's why i mean it's a big ask mm -hmm. maybe i wouldn't see it in my lifetime a world like that where the education that we must do to be educated, informed, you know, and have knowledge and all that sort of stuff so we can thrive, earn a living, look after our families, all of the things we need to do, um, becomes less like a robot factory, which mm -hmm. is kind of what mainstream schools seem to be like still. Yeah, yeah. It's been 30 years since I went to school as a pupil, but there doesn't seem to be an awful lot that's changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I do teach in schools and I see, oh, okay, still doing that then. 
Mm. So yeah, I'd I'd love that. When, what, for what you are saying, I really like. Uh, obviously, I do property business, so I love this guy, Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, and, yes. and this is one of his books what he wrote, which is fake money, fake teachers and fake assets. And, and he's sharing in that book about obviously teachers and schools. And he's teaching about, you know, how to be wealthy and rich through property. And he's teaching it for a very long time now. But it, it, I think somewhere and it's not only him, but more people said like the school like education, it's one of the longest to change and it can take up to 60 years if someone will come on with an idea like you have. So it can take up to 60 years before people, they will just start applying it and it can become a norm. And basically when I read it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm a big believer in self-education and obviously... You yeah, for it. sure. I'd be 111. <laughs> <laughs> So you you can definitely live till 111. That's that's a possible. It's possible, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a big book fan too. I love Audible because I like to consume books <coughs> at double speed because I'm like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. I'm quite impatient. I can do something else at the same time, which is really great for my ADHD as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. A couple of books I've read recently, which have been really helpful especially for the adhd brain in case any listeners are thinking well what would you suggest mm -hmm. uh, one is called the 12 week year mm -hmm. the 12 week year and it's by a guy called brian p moran m-o-r-a-n and michael lennington and you know like people will set a goal in january it'd be their new year's resolution i'm going to do this this year yeah and then they might start doing it in september maybe and then by December, they're trying to finish it. And then, oh, I'll, I'll just have it as my goal for next year. Mm -hmm. And the goals don't really happen. Well, this condenses 12 months of a year down to 12 weeks. So what mm -hmm. you might achieve in a month, you're doing in a week. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it four times over the year in these mm -hmm. three-month blocks. And the idea is that you buddy up with someone because you need an accountability buddy. And that also is the big differentiator from just setting goals. Mm -hmm. Because someone is saying, so you said you were going to contact five people last week, Vincent. How did that go? And if you go, oh, well, I didn't really get around to it. Yeah. So what was more important yeah. and really put them on the spot? You know, yeah. it's like tough love. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's why having a coach is so important. The accountability, it's, it's a very big thing. Yeah. I have this client and uh, we had only, I think, oh, seven sessions or something. I gave him some tasks to do. And uh, and he was doing things. And when we had the session, the 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 day, I'm like, how how was your week? And it's like, yeah, I have sent you that proposal. What we discussed, I have finished it. I'm like, amazing. I had a look, and you know, it looked it looked great. And and after he told me, do you know what? I finished it actually by 5 a.m. today. I was working from 11 p.m. till 5 a.m. So it's ready for today because I was so busy in the week or. He was postponing it for later, but because if he wouldn't have that session with me, the proposal wouldn't be ready and it he wouldn't move forward because he could postpone it because there was that session, that deadline. So he felt it wasn't like pressure from me, but pressure from himself because it was his idea to do what he wants to do in his business. And, uh, and, and it's so powerful. And I have the same with my coach when I'm like, okay, I need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really does work. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're... If you're not making progress, find yourself an accountability buddy or a coach yep. or both. 
Um, another fantastic book that's been super helpful is something called Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I read it and I gave already two books away to friends. I, yeah. we, I discovered some in my wife discovered one in charity shop. She read it first. She gave it to me. It's an amazing book. I really um, big, big fan of it. Yeah. Absolutely. The whole idea of habit stacking. Um, yeah. Anyone who hasn't read it, it's that, you know, we all brush our teeth every day, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst you're brushing your teeth, you could be doing something like squats or something. If, if one of your goals is to move your body more, yeah. or maybe you're reading a book whilst you're brushing your teeth, who knows? But yeah. a personal development, or it may be that you do something directly after you brush your teeth, which you didn't do before, but because you do your teeth every day, you never forget to do the second thing because mm. you just now stack those habits Absolutely. and they become your new normal. And mm. I just love that idea that you're attaching it to an existing habit. So it's not painful at all. Mm. So if anyone needs to, you know, try something new and bed it in, that's a really great way of doing it. And then the last one I wanted to suggest was there's a book called The Charisma Myth. And it's by Olivia Fox Cabane, C-A-B-A-N-E. And that book was a real light bulb moment for me because... In it, she tells us no one is born with charisma. Mm -hmm. It's learned. And that means everyone can learn it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be more charismatic, she'll teach you how to do that through stories and scenarios and make suggestions on how you could make small changes so that you can become a better listener people gravitate towards you instead of mm. nobody wants to walk into a room and go oh no sam's here quit run <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk to her go oh, away oh no not vincent quick quick sit down so he can't sit next to me you know <laughs> nobody wants that yeah. <laughs> we want people to go oh good vincent's here you yeah. know that's what we want so usually at the end of not usually always i ask people at the end if somebody would like to either start the business or maybe they are already in a business a little bit maybe they are a little bit stuck where they are what would be like an idea or tip or you can give to them which maybe helped you in the past with your progress well certainly that accountability piece and uh, uh, maybe it's a mastermind group that you join or a coach that you get or just buddy up with someone who won't let you off the hook. Um, it's no good having a friend going, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do mine either. You know, that doesn't help you, right? Yeah, um, it could be somebody. And, yeah, you need someone yeah. who's going to stand up to you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing was niching. So uh, when I was doing my presentation and soft skills training, Mm -hmm. I had the belief that I could help everybody, right? Everyone needs those things. And you end up casting your net far yeah. too wide and you catch nothing. Yeah. As soon as I started niching into the IT industry, which is where I had come from, mm -hmm. everybody wanted me. It was so funny because my messaging was so much clearer yeah. about yeah. what I'm offering, the problems I'm solving. So I, I would have people who aren't in the IT industry saying, well, I know you, you're you saying this is for the IT industry, but we need you too. Mm. Yeah. And obviously I'm not going to go, well, no, I'm sorry, you're not in the IT industry. I'm not going to work with you. <laughs> no, we don't yeah. do that, do we? So yeah, yeah. niching started to accelerate my business like I could not have imagined. Yeah, that's very, very good advice because 
I, I had experienced it myself when I used to work uh, on my business, trying to you know, please everyone and uh, thinking like I can be for everyone. And I see that so many people, when they are running their business, they, they have the same thinking, but the niching and having someone to help you, uh, like every week, you know, chatting with someone, either coach, mentor, paid or free and uh, somebody accountable, it's very powerful, yeah. So thank you very much for sharing those two ideas. Uh, I think it's gonna help definitely people to, to take some action and do it. So yeah, thank you very much for coming for the interview. It was very nice to have you and also listen to your story. I'm very happy that I can get to know you a little bit more and looking forward to meet you in person again soon.